With the economy the way it is, more and more families are relying on dual incomes and need somewhere for their kids to go after school. Good morning. I'm George Bodarki, and this is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. After-school programs are necessary in all walks of life, but in poor urban areas, they're an integral part of keeping kids off the street. As part of WFUV's Strike Accord campaign, all this month we've been featuring public service announcements highlighting not-for-profit organizations that provide after-school programs. And this past week, we ran a series of special reports in our newscasts. This morning, our coverage of the issue continues right here on Cityscape. Reporter Ben Bradford went to an after-school program in Brooklyn that specializes in children who have parents in prison. It's called Children of Promise, and inside a church deep in bed the children of promise play, study, do arts and crafts, and even therapy. But Lauren, a seventh grader whose dad is in prison, says just being around the other kids is the best part. You get to like talk to people that's like in the same predicament as you, and like that that someone like that can understand where you're coming from, honestly. Founder Sharon Content says the program is important because the kids are more at risk of following in their parents' footsteps. Of course they have, you know, the, the depression and the anger of losing that parent. They are more likely to repeat that cycle. So our goal is to break the cycle. But that doesn't mean a break from the parents. Content's office is lined with framed letters from parents thanking her for making their children children of promise. For WFUV News, I'm Ben Bradford. The road to success can be a bumpy one for a kid in a poor neighborhood who's attending an underperforming school. The Sports and Arts and Schools Foundation aims to help pave the way to a brighter future for kids in New York City. They extend the school day and year with skill-building activities to improve children's academic performance, health and wellness, attitude towards school, and self-confidence. Jim O'Neill is the foundation's president. Jim, thanks for coming in. It's nice to be up here, George. What's the mission of the Sports and Arts and Schools Foundation? Well, uh, Sports and Arts is the largest school-based after-school program in New York State, and our mission is basically to pro- provide opportunities for young people in the public schools that are typically not available uh, in public schools, uh, activities in the world of sports, arts, and academic enrichment activities. So our mission is really to close what I call the opportunities gap in public education through now, after-school what is, programs. Now, what is that opportunities gap? Well, you know, um, I, I think uh, children who are uh, living in suburbia or the private schools in New York City really have a huge amount of opportunities to explore so many different things, usually through uh, after-school programs. We used to call them years ago extracurricular activities. And uh, they're able to discover a lot of new interest in their lives. Uh, they have a, a world that is not really available to a lot of public school kids. So sports and arts is very much interested in, in closing that gap. How many students are you serving? We serve over close to 22,000 students in New York City public schools. That's an interesting number because we have many different uh, programs uh, in schools. Uh, we're in almost 200 schools in New York City. And we really run our programs 12 months a year. We just finished our summer program uh, in August. So we run uh, programs after school, on weekends, uh, before school, 
and also in the summer. These are kids who need places to go year-round, not just during the school year. They do. It's more than simply uh, places to go. Uh, Actually, uh, what's happening here is that after school has really changed, George, over the last four or five years. We're in what I would call the post-no-child-left-behind world here. And after school now is a real extension of the school day. Uh, where we're integrating all of these activities with the 9 to 3 academic day. Uh, We're not really duplicating what's happening during the day. We're really providing new, different, fun, exciting activities that have a huge learning component that really support a lot of what's going on academically. So what are some of the examples? What are some of the programs that you're offering children? Well, there's three types of programs that we're offering. One is in what we call academic enrichment. And that ranges everything from simply homework help, which is very, very important to parents in the Bronx who oftentimes are working very long hours, two jobs, and uh, many of our children don't get the support at home with their homework. So that's a very important factor. And uh, our parents are telling us that if kids come home at 6.30 after their 3 to 6 after school without their homework finished, uh, they really don't want the kids to go to after school programs. So that's a wonderful way of helping kids who need help that wouldn't have help at home. And it's really wonderful to come back to school the next day with your homework completed and uh, you've done a good job on your on your homework. We uh, we do all sorts of uh, writing projects. We do a lot of project-based, theme-based programs, collaborative learning. Uh, we did a lot of that during the summer. They do a lot of community service projects. Um, uh, we do uh, a lot of tutoring programs, which are different than homework help. They're subject-based tutoring. In our middle schools, one of the most exciting things we do is we help kids choose high schools. And New York City has a very complicated system of choosing a high school where it's not the old neighborhood high school. So we're working with kids and their families, helping them navigate this very difficult process. Um, we're helping kids prepare for success in high school. We, we have a great course uh, called How to Improve Your Study Skills. Kids learn how to study. You also have a program called High School Today, College Tomorrow to prep high school students for college. Yeah, this is probably the most exciting new program that Sports and Arts is doing. The the new focus in after school with state ed is really what they call college and career readiness. I mean, there's two major, I think, critical issues around our country. One is the high school dropout rate. And you know in New York City public schools, it's very, very high. Less than 62% of kids finish high school in four years. And the other problem is just the uh, lack of uh, preparation for college. There's a big dropout rate in college uh, around the country. Uh, students are not prepared for success in college. So high school today, college tomorrow, is a program that begins in the ninth grade of high school through their senior year where we're basically preparing kids for both admission to college and also for uh, success in college. We're very proud that Sports and Arts just won a $300,000 grant from AT&T at Flushing High School in Queens for our High School Today and College Tomorrow program. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I understand the foundation has its roots in tennis. Is that correct? That's true. Um, uh, The New York Junior Tennis League, which recently changed its name to the New York Junior Tennis and Learning Organization, was... Uh, an organization founded by Skip Hartman and, and Arthur Ashe, and uh, that was back in 1969, and uh, we revolutionized tennis, starting in the Bronx, by the way. We had a huge amount of success in 
uh, around the Ho Avenue area of the Bronx and building schoolyard tennis courts. And that really created a, a tremendous amount of interest in after-school tennis. We built portable courts in schoolyards. We created programs. We created uh, a college prep program for kids that really wanted to get involved. And that program grew, and the principals in the Department of Education were saying, why is it only tennis? You know, uh, there's a lot of interest in multiple activities. Can New York Junior Tennis League introduce soccer and flag football? And the board said, no, we're a tennis organization. So a separate organization grew out of the New York Junior Tennis League, and I at that time was the executive director of New York Junior Tennis League. So 1992 was the year that Sports and Arts was established. This is our 20th anniversary, and we have taken off uh, as a result of a huge amount of interest in after school and running very good progress. What studies do you point to to demonstrate the success of after school programs? Well, when we started the uh, the program, uh, we actually got a major grant from the Kohlberg Foundation, uh, which was a grant where we did a pilot up here in the Bronx to see whether these programs really could make a difference in, in, in improving the lives of children. We were looking primarily at what the field calls youth development measurements. Uh, and we found out that as a result of after school that the kids who attended these programs had very high attendance statistics during the day. They went to, That's a big problem in New York City public schools. A lot of kids don't go to school. So after school programs are a tremendous source of uh, incentive and, and, and motivation to go to school. Uh, we found out that kids in after-school programs uh, tended to complete more of their homework. Uh, they had better behavior. They had better social skills. So that study uh, really kicked off. We then decided that we were going to get very serious about this because we had some real empirical uh, data here. There's been multiple studies done of after-school programs and, and our programs. And we have looked at everything from test scores, which have been very, very important to schools and principals. Uh, we have done studies on improved fitness uh, measurements of kids. We have done studies that basically look at college, uh, our college admissions. Uh, we had 800 seniors uh, who were in 14 different high schools and over 88% uh, were accepted into college, which was certainly double the rate of kids not in the program. So we do a lot of very comparative studies. Uh, the Wallace Foundation has done a lot of studies. Um, the New York City Department of Youth and Community Development, the New York State Department of Ed, uh, has sort of documented the importance of these programs. After school is very, very important in terms of improving education, and it's proven its value in New York City. A few months ago, there were concerns that Mayor Bloomberg's budget proposal would cut more than $100 million in funding to after-school programs. Now, the question there is, if these programs are so important, why then are they sometimes on the chopping block? That's a very good question, George. You know, we won a huge victory this year. When I say we, I'm talking about the after-school movement. There was a campaign which was a wonderful alliance of all of the major after-school providers in New York City, Children's Aid Society, Good Shepherd Services, Sports and Arts. We all basically, when we heard about these budgets, really 
mobilized. And it was really the parents that were really the key to this here. And, uh, of course, the city council has been a huge champion of this. Uh, the mayor is a huge fan of after-school programs, too. Mayor Bloomberg, one of his legacies as mayor is the out-of-school time program, the out-of-school time program. New York City has the largest government-supported after-school program in the country. But the mayor this year, interestingly enough, with a very tight budget, wanted to create what he would refer to as richer programs. In other words, putting more money into existing programs to raise the quality, because the issue of, of quality oftentimes is, as you know, uh, correlated with the budgets and, you know, in terms of how effective these programs are. So the mayor made a decision that he was going to cut slots in the program, but significantly improve the funding for the programs. The result of that was a, a cut uh, overall, and the council came back, and uh, this year the budget in New York City for after-school programs actually rose. We not only restored the funding, but we actually increased the funding by close to $7 million. So, so the a total, big sigh of relief and a celebration. It was a celebration. And the reason for this is that, you know, after school is one of the major goals of education reform. Smaller class size uh, is one uh, teacher preparation programs. There's a whole series of things that are, that are happening here. But I think... The, the fact that there was this announced cut in February really created this huge awareness of how important the program was. And it was a tremendous outpouring of parents and principals. I think the principals were one of our big supporters. They didn't want these programs to end. Uh, and we won this victory. It was a marvelous victory in terms of the, of the city. Besides funding, what would you say are the biggest challenges organizations like yours face? Um, I would say uh, generally it's, it's simply uh, finding, uh, which is correlated to funding, finding a, an outstanding part-time staff of people uh, that are willing to work because our programs are primarily from three to six or the summer. I mean, we're very fortunate to be in New York City because there's such a pool of talented uh, people in, in New York City. But it's always a challenge to find the uh, talented and, and very experienced people uh, in various areas. And what's your website for people who want to find out www.sasfny.org, and it's a great website. Jim O'Neill, thanks so much Thank for coming you, in. Thank you, George, for inviting me. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Jim O'Neill is the president of the Sports and Arts in Schools Foundation. Many after-school programs rely on funding from New York City to keep them free, one such program is a theater class for middle school and high school students. They meet weekly to build plays surrounding an issue affecting their age group. Cityscape producer Morleen Chin sat in on one of their after-school classes. Okay, let's support them by giving them a... One, two, three, action! That's Helen White. She runs the Cat Youth Theater Program in Midtown Manhattan. It was founded in 1995 and is part of the City University of New York. The program actually started as an experimental class for graduate students. We were actually asked to teach a graduate program to students in how to create original theater from the ideas of young people. And rather than just teaching it in theory, we wanted those graduate students to have the opportunity to apply it in practice. And so they asked for volunteers, and nearly 40 students signed up for the theater class. It worked out so well that they've been running the program for the past 17 years. 
There are two groups in the program, a middle school group with students ages 10 to 13 and a high school group ages 14 and up. This afternoon, I'm watching the high school group create scenes. There's no audition for membership. Students just sign up until the class is filled. There's also no charge for classes, so students come from varied backgrounds and level of theater experience. Young people come for a variety of different reasons. Some of them absolutely want to go into the theater. They want to be actors. But some of them actually come because they realize that they would like more confidence in their lives. I remember a young woman who said, I'm going to be a lawyer and I want to learn how to stand up in front of people because it terrifies me. So they come for a variety of reasons. You're not, no, you're not going to use words in the first part, so you're not going to use words in this part. Like you can't reach her and then it's going to be like dinner time and you close. And then she's All of the plays produced in the program are original and created through a process called devising, where they build the script through improvisation. Nothing is actually written down until after the play is finished. And that's because it's important that the young people feel that the work is theirs. In improvising, you have to learn to be um, spontaneous and in the moment and really listen to your partners. Um, and so they don't have to worry about learning lines. They just have to really absolutely understand the context and really be able to be uh, reactive in the moment to the other people that they're on stage with. So it's not a company where if something, you know, the set was to fall over or something, they wouldn't be able to cope with it although hopefully that would never happen. <laughs> White puts an emphasis on creating a safe space for students to feel comfortable enough to express themselves openly. She even hugs each student as he or she walks into class. 21-year-old Smarlin Hernandez has been at CAT for three years and says students are always amicable with one another. Not everyone's the same age. It's from, like, people that are 12, 13 years old to, like, 21, 22, and it's that variety of change of age and how everyone has their own opinion and everyone can actually interact with each other and it's acceptable. Not a lot of people like old people, oh I'm not gonna talk to you because you're 12. Like no, here it's like you have to <laughs> because this is what we're here for to communicate and to express how we feel. Students in the high school group are encouraged to speak their minds, even if they have to use profanity to express themselves. 16-year-old Nicholas Scalatus has been at CAT for six years. He says the openness can help students deal with personal issues. The beautiful thing about CAT is that absolutely nothing is taboo. Like, you can bring anything you want up. You could bring sex, drugs, money, and just problems you're having in general. And then the thing about CAT is you can bring your problem and then make it into a scene without really telling anyone and then based off the feedback you get in the scene and the people working on the scene maybe finding a solution to it. For director Helen White, if students can feel free at CAT, they'll create the best theater. A lot of the things that stop us from being spontaneous in life because we're worried about grades or we're worried about what people will say can start to drop away because we're creating an environment where it's play, it laughs, it doesn't matter, there's no, nothing at stake. She's she gonna, she gonna come in, she's like, oh hi, what's up, Tommy? Wait, why, why her name? Uh, no, the baby, she's the, the baby. The, the group performs every spring before an audience in Manhattan. They've also performed abroad. White says their success on stage is always a reminder the after-school program is worth all her efforts. For Cityscape, I'm Morlene Chin. Let's get more about, like, and for me, from that part, she's not nice to you, like, not yet. You're tuned to Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. I'm George Boraki. As part of WFUV's Strike Accord campaign, this week we're focusing our attention on after-school programs.
The New York State After School Network is a public-private partnership that works to make sure all students have access to high-quality after-school programs. Nora Najelski-Eichner is the network's executive director. Nora, thanks for being here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here today. For those not familiar with it, provide some background on the New York State After School Network. Sure. The New York State After School Network is a public-private partnership that works to increase access to high-quality after-school programs across New York State. So uh, on our steering committee sit the New York State uh, Education Department, the New York State Office of Children and Family Services, as well as New York City's uh, Department of Community and Youth Development and their uh, Department of Education. We also have a number of um, after-school providers, the New York State Alliance of the Wise, the Youth Bureaus, a number of different groups and organizations that really represent the breadth of commitment to out-of-school time activities here in New York. What are the qualities of a solid after-school program? After a great after-school program is going to do a number of things. It's really going to work with the local community and the local schools uh, to make sure that the program is really in conversation with what's going on in the neighborhood that is tied into what the students are learning and working with in the school day. It's going to be committed to youth development, to really seeing students in a holistic perspective, being interested in their academic engagement, but also in their social and emotional growth, trying to help them become good citizens, engaged in their neighborhoods, engaged in thinking about who they want to be as people, to really develop beyond just being a student, but into a good, a good solid citizen. Can you give me an example of a quality after-school program here in New York City? Sure. Um, one of the programs I visited not too long ago uh, is a Beacon program over in Queens. Um, the Beacons are kind of unique. They work with middle school students uh, in particular, at least this Beacon really specializes in. And again, there's a real push for student development. So the students are allowed to choose a number of different activities over the course of the week in addition to their homework help. Um, that let them specialize in skills that they're interested in, but also push them to think a little bit more about their communities. So they participate in um, community service activities, in a leadership council that actually helps design the programs for other students, uh, in a, a sort of civic issues and peer um, pressure resistance kind of conversation that helps them think about themselves in conversation with the the rest of their peers. So it really does, again, the combination of both activities. It helps them with their homework, focuses on their academics, but pushes them to think about themselves as having an other additional skill sets as well. How important are community partnerships when it comes to after-school programs? They really are crucial. The schools do wonderful work. Schools are amazing places that really invest in students, but they have a very particular mission. Their goal is to educate students in a fairly traditional academic way, and their resources are stretched increasingly thin. They're being asked to do more and more to get students prepared for an increasingly competitive workforce. Uh, and there's a limit to how much they can do during the day. So the after-school world uh, really prizes the ways that community partners come in with a slightly different focus. They support the academics, but they also really want to think about helping students develop additional non-cognitive skills, persistence, uh, engagement, interest. Uh, passion is one of those things that you really sometimes need a hands-on experience to spark. And passion is what we know actually drives students to academic achievement. But that can be hard to get in a school day when a teacher is trying to manage 25 students, think about everyone's test scores, their you know specific academic goals. So the community partners really come in with a very different lens. You recently put out a report on expanded learning opportunities. Those expanded learning opportunities, of course, include after-school programs. 
What did that report find specifically? So the report really looked at the ways in which uh, expanded learning opportunities, which is kind of a blanket term to capture summer programs, after-school programs, anything that uh, really serves students in a high-quality fashion outside of school. Um, And we found that there are a lot of different ways that these ELOs or expanded learning opportunities can help uh, with school reform efforts. You know, there's a lot of conversation going on right now in New York about how we can help our schools improve. And we wanted to suggest the ways in which uh, looking outside the school system, looking to community-based organizations, uh, can really strengthen those efforts. So, for instance, um, the... There was research done recently that found that somewhere between, um, you know, half and two-thirds of the achievement gap can be linked to summer learning loss, which is the ways in which um, students from low-income neighborhoods most likely don't have a lot of experiences in the summer that help their academic growth, so they fall behind, whereas at the same time, students from higher-income communities are doing enrichment programs, they're going to summer camp, they're actually gaining knowledge. So we really think that it's valuable that the school systems take a look at, well, can we fund more summer programs? Can we have our community partners do more things during the summer so that our students aren't experiencing that slide, that they, like their higher-income peers, are actually increasing their learning during the summer? What are the biggest challenges facing after-school programs right now in New York State? Is it an issue of funding? It is. I mean, you know, you want to talk about other things, and there are lots of other issues on the table. But at the end of the day, the unmet need is tremendous. New York City has a million school children. After-school programs in the city, even if you include sort of all the different varieties, the ones who get public funding, the ones who don't, we're probably still only talking about serving 200,000 kids maximum, maybe less than that. So there's an enormous unmet need. Um, And you can certainly say the same thing across the state. New York City actually has more funding in some ways than a lot of the upstate communities do. So there are other issues, other things we'd like to work on, better school uh, community communication, some things here and there around streamlining program funding. But at the end of the day, we need more programs to be available. And we need more resources, quite frankly, to make them high quality. It's one thing to have a a space where students can show up. That's wonderful. We're happy to have it. It's another thing entirely to be able to have the faculty, the staff, the other resources to really push quality. I was going to ask you, what are your top three recommendations, the three things the city and the state can do to strengthen after-school programs? Absolutely. So um, we would love to see them increase funding. Um, New York State does have two funding streams that support after-school programs here in New York. That'd be a wonderful thing to see increases in. Um, Along those same lines, the federal government supplies some um, tremendous funding, actually, for really high-quality after-school programs through the 21st Century Community Learning Program. That program is at risk uh, through the federal sequester, so we're looking for um, both New York State and for citizens of New York to advocate to keep that funding system solid and strengthened. Um, They can provide more resources to really promote quality. New York State has actually done a tremendous job, both the state education department and the Office of Children and Family Services, to incorporate quality requirements into their program funding streams. But data sharing, better ways of sort of tracking longitudinal data, tracking how students are doing, making that program available to uh, community-based organizations that are providing it, would really increase the ways in which they could sync up with um, the school day and with other ways of helping students grow. Are there other states that are doing a better job with this, other states that can serve as a model? Um Better is a tricky word. I actually really think New York does does do a very good job in their investments, and we are very grateful for what they do. 
Um, but there are places that are doing some really innovative things that we certainly look to as models. Um, there's some really interesting work going on in Rhode Island right now, a um, much smaller state, a, you know, a different kind of system to work with, but that it has really allowed um, the city of Providence to get um, a very comprehensive system that includes some very comprehensive data availability, thoughtful collaboration between schools and community partnerships that's very aligned and very strategic. There's also, you know, work to be done looking at sort of a number of different um, high school options. High school is a place where the after-school community is really consistently trying to look at how we can do better. High school students are a little bit harder to serve in certain ways. They've got a lot more options. Um, and, you know, hanging out in your local community-based organization might not be the coolest thing to do. Um, so New Hampshire has done some really interesting work around allowing students to get high school credit for work that they've done in expanded learning opportunities. One of the most interesting things about that is that from what we've heard from folks there, they're actually harder often than their uh, school day classes because the expectation is for really unique, thorough work on a very specific project. So we're exploring some options to learn from other states and areas like that. All right, Nora, anything that we didn't talk about that you think we should talk about? No, I'm really grateful to uh, have you thinking a lot about after school in New York. Nora, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Nora Najelski Eichner is the executive director of the New York State After School Network. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. For more information about the organizations featured on today's show, visit WFUV.org slash Cityscape. And for more information on the Strike Accord campaign, visit WFUV.org slash Strike Accord. I'm George Polarki. My thanks to senior producer Morlene Chin and producer Julie Clark. Have a great weekend. Mm-hmm.